Hey, good morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the um, leaders here at Ethos. I'm so glad to be here with you today. We're going to be in John chapter 20. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, um, John chapter 20. If you're using one of our Bibles, feel free to grab one of those from around the room. It's on page 756. If you're using one of those, page 756, John chapter 20. And uh, you guys doing okay today? Got some sunshine on this beautiful Sunday morning. You guys probably prefer the rain, though, right? You preferred the past two days. A um, couple of things before we jump in. So on the video that we just watched, wanted to uh, formally invite you to, to come serve with us next Saturday. And so this is, uh, we've done this from time to time over the years um, where we just, as a whole church family, we go, man, we, we want to be a, an active presence in this neighborhood. We don't just want to show up here on Sundays. We want to, to love and meet and know the people that, that live around us. And so one of the ways that we're going to do that is by next Saturday having this big community cookout. And so I want to invite you to do a couple of things. I want to invite you to come. And I know that sounds uh, crazy, right? Because you're like, man, next Saturday is the marathon and it's NFL draft and it's my day off from work. Why are you asking me to come and serve? Well, one reason is because, man, you, you actually discover that through serving is you, you truly find this joy in life that nothing else can bring. That through giving of yourself and giving up of your time and your, 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 your you know, set aside whatever for, for yourself to use for the good of someone else, you actually discover life. And so I invite you to come with us next Saturday. The second thing, on the, the way out, there are going to be some boards. Um, they're, they're right kind of behind the, the donut table, so you won't miss it. Um, but we need people to come and help. We need people to help clean up. We need help, people to help set up. We need people who can play basketball and throw Frisbees and can jump rope with the kids. We need people who have mouths that can talk to people. And so if you can do any of those things, you have any of those things, please come next Saturday. And so here's what we, we don't want to do. We don't want to just... Um, do something like this, and two or three of us come. No, we're a church family. And, and so I invite you, man, let's, let's make this a priority. If you can come next Saturday, come. And, and, and so much of us just going is us just saying, hey, we want to make a difference in the city. We want to meet people that are around us. If God's going to give us an opportunity to, to have a friendship or to, to meet a need, then, then we get to step into that. And so I hope that next Saturday you'll come and join us. Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, I want to pray, and then, uh, then we'll jump into a time of teaching, John 20. And so Let's pray, God, thank you so much for this morning. And I know, God, sometimes just, you know, I feel a little nervous right now, just even sharing. And I don't fully know why, what's at the core of that, but I pray that you would settle me. Um, I pray for my friends that are in this room, maybe for the first time. Um, and I know what it's like to be in a setting where you're not really comfortable and maybe you don't know a lot of people. And so I just pray, God, that you, your peace would just settle them. And God, that in this space, um, you know, we're not here to just sing some songs to make us feel good. And, and we didn't get up early this morning um, to just come and, and see some people. We've, we've come here because some people in this room really have discovered you and they know that you're God. Others in this room are searching for you. And I just, I ask that you would, would meet us in this place, Father. That you would communicate to us your love through this story, through my my words, God, that you would communicate your heart to us, that you would help Jesus to just be so magnificent that you would just draw us to you this morning. And I pray that as we leave this place, that we just can't help but think about you and, and praise you and, and God, so just draw us. And I can't do that. Nothing can do that but you. And so we're, we're here for you today, the King of heaven. And, and so meet us in this place. You name we pray, amen. You know those moments in life where you show up expecting one thing and you get something totally different? 
sometimes um, this is not a good surprise, right? Right? You think about those times where you, 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 you go to see a movie or you go to a restaurant that you've heard some hype about, or maybe it's even a date that you go on and you show up and, and you have all these expectations of, of laughing and enjoying, and then you get there and it's like nothing like you thought and you leave kind of disappointed. You ever had those moments before? None of you have. None of you ever had those moments before. Um, you know, I, I remember one of these moments when I was in college. I, uh, I grew up very uncultured, very unsophisticated. So you can judge me if you want us to tell this story, and that'll be completely acceptable. But I remember Courtney had a, a, an event with her sorority. And so I remember we went to this fancy restaurant. We got all dressed up. And I remember um, looking at the menu, and most of the things I couldn't even read. I didn't know what they were. But I saw on the menu under appetizers that we were having cigars. And as a sophomore in college, I didn't know that there was a food cigar. I thought that cigars were just something that you smoked. And so I'm sitting there going, this is gonna be amazing. Like, I'm gonna go outside, I'm gonna smoke cigars right before we eat this delicious meal. And, and I'm seriously thinking about this. And then the, wait, the waiter comes and shows up and they bring this little tray. And I'm like, what is that? They're like, these are the cigars. And I'm like, that's the worst cigar I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and we all have these moments, right, where, where you're expecting something, you're thinking that you're gonna get something and then it's completely different. And sometimes it's not what you want, but the reality is that sometimes you show up expecting something and what you get is so much better. I remember that June 8th, 2007, it was the day I was proposing to Courtney. And I remember I'd been collaborating. I was trying to think about, hey, how can, Courtney's my wife, by the way. And, um, <laughs> Uh, we were, um, I was collaborating. Hey, how can I get all of our friends and all of our family there? And so I've been scheming with all these people. And so we, um, we decided that what we were gonna do is that, that we were gonna pretend like it, we were gonna do this vow renewal for some good family friends of ours. And so we went out to another family friend. They had this beautiful piece of property, this, this beautiful lake and this huge pavilion. On the other side of the pavilion is this other smaller pavilion. And so we're all gathered there and Courtney thinks that we're, we're there to, to, for, 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 for them. And so, you know, we get the phone call, hey, they're on their way. And so Courtney's mom's like, hey, I need you to go over to the small pavilion and there's tons of candles. I need you to light the candles and you need to get everything ready for them. And so, you know, we're walking over to that pavilion and my heart's just, it's about to come out of my chest. I'm so nervous, right? And, and so we're walking around and, and we get over there and we're lighting these candles and everything's set up, these flowers. There's these pictures that are kind of hanging from the pavilion. They're all covered up. And I start to, to unravel the, the pictures and, we real, and she realized, we didn't realize, I knew it. She realized it was, it was pictures of, of her. It was, it was for her. And it was that moment where, where, she, where she thought that she was stepping into something that was gonna be good and it turned out to be something so much better. That you're expecting something and, and you get something so much better. That she, she thought she was showing up to celebrate with some friends and she was actually getting something for her. And the reality is, I don't know what you showed up expecting this morning. But I have the sense that God has something specifically for you. And listen to me, not just for the person beside you, for you specifically. That, that you maybe came here expecting one thing, but God has something exponentially more for you. And I love the story that we're going to, to be in this morning. It's a, it's a really special story. I want to catch us up where, where we are. And so a man named Jesus of Nazareth, 
a historical man, a man that actually lived. He's, he, he's referenced in the Bible. He's referenced by sources that are outside of the Bible. So you can go back and you can read about first and second century people who lived. This man named Josephus, this man named Tacitus, this man named um, Pliny the Younger. These, these people who were not followers of Jesus, but they wrote about him. And so what I'm saying is that he was an, Jesus of Nazareth was an, a, a historical figure. He wasn't just this figment of our imagination. He actually lived and walked on this fame, the same earth that we're walking on. The Bible tells us that that Jesus, he proclaims that he is the son of God. And as you read about the life of Jesus, you see supernatural works that come from his hands and from his heart that that blind people, because of Jesus' touch, start to see that that people who have incurable skin diseases, one touch from Jesus and it's gone. And people who who are deaf start to hear. And in the wake of Jesus' life for all of these supernatural healings, and I don't know about your life, is that that your life story? Like that everywhere you go, every time you you touch someone who's blind, they start to see. But, But there's something about Jesus that was different in the people. People in the first century, they noticed, they recognized that there is something special about this man. And yet this man was crucified on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago beside two other criminals. And, and the, his body was taken down from the cross and it was laid in this tomb. And that's where our story picks up. John chapter 20, verse one says, early on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Mary Magdalene is a woman, if you read about her in the the gospels and the Bible, she had a deep love for Jesus. I know there's this movie that's coming out that kind of twists it, that makes it sound like it was this romantic relationship. It wasn't that at all. It was this this relationship where Jesus had done for her spiritually what no one else could do. That the peace that she was looking for, that literally that this inner turmoil, this demonic attack that constantly plagued her, Jesus gave her peace. Jesus drove it out. Jesus settled her. And it says in Luke chapter eight that she, along with several other women, traveled along with the 12 apostles, supporting Jesus and the apostles out of her own means. There was this, this woman who had been personally delivered by Jesus. She had seen the work of Jesus. She loved Jesus. She watched Jesus be crucified. She was there when they took his body off the cross and they put it in the tomb. This woman had a deep love for Jesus. And she showed up one Sunday morning expecting one thing and it wasn't what she expected. So interesting that that she goes to this tomb and, and 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 the stone is rolled away. It'd be like us walking to a graveyard and the casket being open, right? That makes all of us a little uncomfortable, hopefully a lot uncomfortable, right? If not, come talk to me afterwards. And, and so she, she walks up to the tomb and it, what struck me is that she starts to draw conclusions from her own observations, yet they're not accurate. So she goes to the same tomb where just three days earlier, she had watched Jesus's body being put in this tomb. She had watched his corpse be wrapped with these linen cloths and and laid in this space. She'd watched as this stone rolled away or rolled to to seal it. And she walks up on this Sunday morning and the stone is pushed away. And her only analysis is someone took Jesus's body. Now, why does her mind go there? Because it's completely logical. What else could have possibly happened? You show up to a cemetery to go visit your great-great-grandmother 
and her casket's been dug out and there's nothing laying in there, you're not going, she must have risen from the dead, right? You're going, what creep dug up my grandmother's casket and is going through her stuff, right? Like it's completely logical. She's thinking with reason. And yet her conclusions aren't accurate. Her own observations led her to some conclusions that weren't actually true. And I think about how often we do that. We do that just in like real life. We do that with people. Think about, you know, your first impression of people. Sometimes you meet them and they kind of rub you the wrong way. They kind of come across prideful or snotty or cold. And, and you think, man, my own observations tell me this person's kind of a jerk. I don't ever want to be around them again. Right? We make observations, we make conclusions about people based on things that we see and things that we feel. But then you realize, oh, after you get to know that person, oh, they're actually going through some really hard stuff in life. Or maybe they were just kind of a jerk and you were right in your observations, right? But, but we all have these moments. We do this with God where we make conclusions based upon our own observations and yet so often it's not right. Like one of the, the ways that we do this, man, we, we, we see the suffering and the injustice in our world and we go, man, there, there either has to be a God that is good or a God that is all powerful. There can't be a God that is both good and all powerful. Why? I believe that there could be a God that, that is good, but he's not all powerful because, because there's so much evil that happens in this world. And, and I'm okay with a God that's good, but, but that's not all powerful because if he was all powerful, he wouldn't allow anything bad to happen. Or you go on the other side, you go, man, I believe in a God that's all powerful, but it's not good because... Uh, explain to me why there's so much suffering and injustice in the world. If, if God can control it, if God is bigger than it, then he's not good. And so we do this all the time where we make conclusions about God based upon our own observations and they're not actually right. I'm not being hard on Mary. I'm not even being hard on us. But I do want us to see that often we make up our mind and make a decision about something that, that actually isn't true. She goes to the tomb. She says, they've taken him out of the tomb. No, they hadn't. But it's her best observation. The story keeps going in verse three. So Peter and the other disciples start running for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love this. Verse three and four. So the other disciple is John. John is the guy who wrote the book that we're reading. He wrote this book and I love this. He's sitting down to retell his story and he's like, I've got to remind people from all time that I was faster than Peter. That like, <laughs> you know, that's such like a, a thing to do. He's like, I got to tell the story most accurately. People need to know that I was faster than, and, and so he, he, he tells us. And so we'll get to have a little race with John one day in heaven. And uh, verse five, it says that, that, that John bent over and he looked in the at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And and so they get to the tomb where Jesus was and, and John doesn't go in. He looks in, but he hesitates. And Peter goes fully in and then John follows and they notice that, that these claws, and this is what happened when people were buried in the first century, a Jewish person when they were buried, their body would be wrapped in linen cloths and laid aside. And they notice that the cloth is there, but the body is not. And I love verse eight, that, that John saw and he believed. 
Now, he didn't see Jesus, right? Like, it wasn't this moment where, where Jesus was just sitting there hanging out, waiting for him to come. All he had was these, the cloth the, that, that what was. He didn't have what is. And yet there was something about his heart that believed. And I love the very next line. It says, you believe, but they didn't understand. And think about for how many of you, this is, is, is your story. How many of you relate to that? Man, you believe in Jesus, you believe in the resurrection. You believe that there is a God that, that loves us, that is for us, that is over us. And maybe you don't understand everything. You don't understand how God could raise someone from the dead. You don't understand all the complexities of this life, but you look at your life and you're going, yeah, I believe, but I don't understand. Well, you're in good company. So is John, the disciple who Jesus loved. Keeps going in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him. And I will get him. What I love about Mary is that she thinks she knows what has happened, but she keeps seeking answers. Man, she, she wanted to know where Jesus was. So she's asking anyone who might know anything about his whereabouts. And I love this. It's in the midst of her real seeking for the real Jesus that she discovers Jesus. She encounters Jesus. And I love this because she doesn't recognize him initially. I wonder how many of you, this is true right now, right? That you, you come here this morning and you've kind of made up your mind about Jesus. You've made up your mind that he isn't God, that he, doesn't, that he didn't rise from the dead. You're okay saying that he was a good teacher, that he was a, a good moral man or a good prophet. But you come here this morning and go, man, I don't actually believe that, that he's the savior of the world, that I don't actually believe that I need him to, to do anything in my life. And yet, as much as you believe that here, there's something that is still stirring inside of you that just hasn't settled yet. You can't quite ignore it. It won't go away. That question of, but what if? What if there is a God? What if, what if there is a God? What if I'm wrong? I love that, that she didn't recognize him. And I think that's so important because I think that's what's going on in our culture, and our world, that, that God is, is working. He's showing up in your life and he's speaking to you. And maybe you're just not recognizing it. Keeps going in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Man, why was that the thing that helped her see Jesus? You know, I'm sitting there, I'm going, man, she'd, she'd spent years with Jesus. She knew what he looked like. She knew what his voice sounded like. Why was this so hard for her? She's sitting in the garden and maybe it's because it was dark or, 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 or what was it? But, but, but why is it in that moment that she doesn't initially recognize Jesus? Maybe it's because she had just a few days earlier watched his body be completely obliterated, hung on a cross, beaten to shreds, and the person she was looking at was whole, was healed. Maybe it was dark and she just couldn't see. What was it about Jesus saying her name that opened her eyes to realize it's not just a gardener, it's Jesus. 
Maybe it's the way that he did say her voice, her name. I don't know. But I love what the text tells us. It says that he called her name, and here's the detail, and she turned toward him. She turned toward him. That he called her name, but she turned toward him. You know those moments in life when you're in public and someone's calling your name? And it's like a big crowd and you're like, you got that head swivel thing going on. You're like, where is that voice coming from? Who is, who is calling to me? And, and when you're really trying to get someone's attention, what do you do? Man, you, you make gestures, right? Like you stand up, you do whatever it takes. You're like, you want to get their attention. Kate, do you see me, Kate? I'm right here. And, 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 you, and, and you do this thing to, to, to try to help people see you. But I realize it's, it's not until you really look that you find Man, you ever been in a crowd where someone's calling your name and you look and you're like, I can't figure figure out who that is. I'm not even gonna look anymore. You see, if you really wanna find, you keep looking. Courtney was telling me that that Finley has caught on to this and it's all my fault that the other day I dropped Finley off at school every day. She's my oldest child. She's in kindergarten. I was dropping her off at school and there's this boy at their school that I'm discipling and mentoring, trying to help raise him up to be a man of God. And, and I see him walk in and so I'm just yelling at him. I'm like, hey, just yelling his name. And he's like this long line of cars and he's like, who is calling my name? And he finally, he sees me and then Courtney tells me that, that they're following the bus home and one of her friends gets off the bus and Friendly's yelling from the back of the car, like trying to get his attention. And, and, and I'm going, man, we, we, we do this. And God does this with us. And some of you, man, God has been calling your name. God has been standing up and waving and you, and, and you know that it's him. Some of you, maybe you're, you're scared of what he's gonna say. Maybe you came in here today carrying so much shame, so much hurt, and you showed up today expecting condemnation. You expected just more shame to be heaped upon you. And here's what I want to tell you. God loves you so much. And he was willing to look foolish to get your attention. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, it says the, the cross is foolishness to the world. It doesn't make any sense why God would die on the cross for us. Why God would take our punishment for our sins so that we could be forgiven. It doesn't make any sense. But it's what he did. Romans chapter five says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And maybe this morning you came expecting condemnation or maybe you just came expecting just a dry religious worship gathering. Maybe you came expecting just to pay homage to a historical figure. And my hope this morning and God's hope is that you will encounter the resurrected Christ, that you would realize that he is calling your name. And all you have to do is turn to him. Just turn to him. God misses you. You were made to live in the presence of God. He wants you. He forgives you. He loves you. And some of you, you just need to hear that. That God's not come to condemn you. He's come to give you a real relationship with Christ who wants to forgive you. Some of you this morning, man, you came in here kind of reluctantly. We're so glad that you're here. It takes a ton of courage to come in this place like this. Especially if you don't believe what followers of Jesus believe. So many of you, man, that you come in this place and, and, and what you expect to encounter in God is a God who just doesn't want you to have any fun. Right, like so many of, uh, of, of people in our society, I mean, Christians just don't have fun. 
Yesterday I was um, getting Finley out of the shower. She's my oldest. And she had this, um, this, she was hiding something behind her back. And I was going in the shower to help dry her off. I'm like, what are you doing? And she was trying to be all sneaky and like hide it. And I'm like, you can't hide from me. What are you doing? And, and she has this, this baby doll that she had in the shower with her. And, and she's like, I want to bring it out. And I'm like, of course you can bring it out. Like, but don't try to hide it from me. <laughs> like, you, you can't hide it from me. I, like, I, I see how this thing's going to go. That baby is full of water and you're going to take it and you're going to drag it across the floor and you're probably going to throw it on my bed where I sleep and I'm going to get in bed tomorrow night or, and it's going to be wet because of your baby doll. Let's just dry the doll, the doll off properly. I'm not against you having the doll. I'm not against you like playing with it, but don't hide it from me. And some of you need to know this, that, that God knows you. He knows everything that you've done. And he loves you. And God wants good things for you. And God wants to show you how to actually use your life to enjoy it. You see, God knows how things affect others. I knew that baby was gonna drip all over the floor. It's gonna make a mess that she was gonna forget about. It. I was gonna have to clean it up. And so often we come to God, we're like, God, you don't want us to have any fun. And it's actually the exact opposite. God actually wants to teach us how to enjoy this life. He wants to teach you how to steward your sexuality so you wake up the next morning and you don't have shame. He wants to teach you how to have a career and for that career not to consume you. He wants to teach you how to raise children and for your children not to be the center of your universe. He's calling to you. God is calling to you. He's been calling to you. And it looks so different for some of you. It's just that, that, that Christian friend who keeps inviting you for some of you, God is showing up in your dreams. For some of you, God just keeps inviting you to, to give him a second chance. He's calling to you. And what he's inviting you is to turn to him. To believe in him. To believe that he died on the cross for your sins. To believe that, that he was raised back to life. To believe that he actually loves you. You see, the challenge that we faith, face, both for, for those who are followers of Jesus and those that aren't followers of Jesus, the challenge that we face is, is believing in Jesus even though we can't see him and even though we can't feel him. How do we believe in a God that we can't see? Like you come this morning and go, man, I, I want to turn to God. I want to believe. How do I do that? Remember when I was in college, one of my friends, he, um, he said, hey, me and my, my family, we're going, we're going skiing in Big Sky, Montana. I want you to come with us. And it was in that moment that I realized, man, I wasn't completely just teleported to Big Sky, right? That would have been awesome. Like in that moment that he spoke, I didn't just instantly find myself on the mountain, like with skis on and my ski jacket on, my goggles on going down the mountain. No, he, he gave me words. And I had to choose to believe, man, am, am I gonna lean into that? And so instantly, man, I'm, I'm, I'm acting on what he said. And so I start doing my lunges, <laughs> Start doing squats. If you've ever been skiing before, you know how hard it is. And so I'm, I'm getting in shape because I want to enjoy this. And, 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 I, and I download the app on my phone so that I can see how much snow's falling. And I get all my gear and all my equipment and, 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 and I'm preparing for this thing that he has spoken. You understand that, that, that Christ is alive and that Christ wants you and he's calling your name and he's calling you to believe in him. You're going, yeah, but, but how do I believe in him? I don't feel it. What does it look like for me to believe? I, I want to believe, but I don't believe. 
Man, you got to take a step. You got to live your life as if the things that are spoken are going to be true. Man, get baptized. Baptism is this moment where you go into the water and all the sins that you had, the person that you were is completely laid aside and you come up and you're a new person. New life, forgiven, filled with the spirit of God. How do I believe? Man, you start letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. What that means is that he gets to be your boss, that he gets to call the shots in your life. What it looks like to believe in Jesus is to start seeking Jesus, to start praying, reading the scripture, getting around followers of Jesus who, who actually know him. What it looks like to believe is to take steps. What it looks like to, to believe is to, is to keep coming, right? You, you, you wanna get in shape. You're not ever gonna get in shape if, if you just keep doing the same things that you're always doing, watching TV, right? You're gonna get in shape by what? Going to the gym, getting on the elliptical, getting on the treadmill, right? You wanna discover, is there actually a God? You're not gonna discover that by not seeking him, by not believing. Take a step. For some of you, what Jesus is inviting you to is into a life of belief. For some of you, he's inviting you into a life of continuing to seek. And so maybe you come in this morning and you're going, I'm not, I'm not so sure if Jesus really is the son of God. You know, you're a lot like Mary. You, you think you know. You think you have some, some, some conclusions based upon your own observations. And you owe it to yourself to keep seeking. If there is a God, and if everything that God says is true, there will be a day that, that faith becomes sight, that you'll actually discover there is a God and you owe it to yourself. More than you seek out a relationship, more than you seek out a career, more than you seek out anything, you owe it to yourself. Is there a God? Does this God love me? And for some of you, the, the quest isn't to give your life to Jesus today. For some of you, the, the quest is to keep seeking. For those of you who are Christians, I love 1 Peter chapter 8, or 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says that though you do not see Jesus, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you receiving the end result of your salvation or end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And for Christians, what, what, what Christ's resurrection does for us, it calls us to keep believing in the midst of heartache, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of depression, in the midst of death, in the midst of, in the midst of, of, of letdown, to keep believing in the resurrection. There's beauty in resurrection. There's hope in resurrection. My aunt this weekend, she's been suffering for the past two and a half years from ALS and she passed away on Friday. And I'm sitting down with Finley and Jones, my two oldest kids yesterday, and we're, we're up early before everyone else. And I'm telling them, hey, you know, your aunt Cindy passed away. And Finley's like, that makes me sad. And I'm like, it makes me sad too. The reality is that we all have these stories. We all have these moments in life where people that we love, we lose them. And sometimes it's through death and sometimes it's through divorce and sometimes it's through these things. And we all have these, these moments that just absolutely rip our heart out. And there's beauty because of the resurrection. I was telling Finley and Jones, it's okay to be sad, but, but the, the, the sadness can't have the last word in our story. 
Because what I believe and what I hope that you two believe one day is that, that, that Christ, he rose from the dead. It says that he was the, the firstborn from, uh, from the dead. And what that means is that he was the leader, that he was the one that goes first. And that one day, every single one of us, we're gonna rise from the dead, that although we will die, every one of us, we're going to die. There'll be a day that we're all raised back to life and you will stand in front of God and you will discover, oh my goodness, there is this God. And for some of you, it's gonna be the most glorious moment you've ever had. And some of you, man, if you owe it to yourself to seek out this God. He loves you. And he doesn't want you to spend your whole life avoiding him. He wants to teach you and love you and lead you. He is not against you. He doesn't come to condemn you. He's come to forgive you. And the resurrection gives us hope gives us confidence as followers of Jesus to keep believing in the midst of hard things in life because reality is that, that life is just gonna keep coming. Hard things just keep coming. They're not gonna stop. It just keeps coming over and over again. And for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the fact that he did get out of the tomb, the fact that he's with us, that we're gonna make it through whatever life throws at us, but it's not that we just keep believing, it's that, it's that we tell others this is why this is such a huge responsibility for Christians. I love what Mary does in verse 17. Jesus says, go and tell. And that's exactly what she does. Mary's the first evangelist. She's the first person entrusted with the gospel and she's faithful. What if she had been unfaithful? What if she said, no, life is just about me. I got what I needed from Jesus. I'm good. No, she understood the goodness of Jesus is meant to be shared. And for us, man, to tell people, we believe and we tell, and you need to know this, the world doesn't need our expertise. They need to hear from our experiences. And for you to understand that what God has done in your life, the stories, the moments that he's convinced you that he's real, that he's loved you, just get comfortable telling your story because it's powerful. And when you're willing to share about what God has done in your life, we were talking about this in house church on Wednesday night. When, when, when you open up and you tell, hey, this is when God moved in a magnificent way. It, for Christians, it bolsters our faith. And for people who are not Christians, it just keep, it's like God's invitation. Hey, keep listening. And for us as God's people, keep believing, keep telling. Okay, here in just a minute, we're gonna take communion. And we take communion every week. It's a piece of bread, a cup of juice. And we do this to remember that Jesus died for us that we're forgiven because of what he did for us. And so in the same way that, that you're gonna receive this bread that you did not make and you're gonna receive this cup of juice that you did not prepare, man, we're, we're receiving this. And we're receiving forgiveness, something we didn't earn, something we didn't deserve. And I encourage you to, to eat this bread, drink this cup. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to take this with us today. And I invite you as we're taking communion, if you feel comfortable doing this with two or three people around you to share, what is one thing that stood out to you or spoke to you today? And if you don't feel comfortable, that's completely okay. I invite you to take that bread, to drink that cup and just to pray. And if you're not a Christian, say, God, help me to believe. And if you are a follower of Jesus, God, help me to believe, help me to tell. So we're gonna take communion. If you come here this morning, you need your prayer. You wanna give your life to Jesus. There'll be some people, men and women at the back, the respond banner, we'd love to talk to you. So let's pray and then we'll take communion. God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the realness of who you are. And I just pray, God, that, that you would open our hearts to believe in you, to trust you, to love you. I pray, God, we would hear your voice, that we would live for you and you alone. 
And so meet us as we break the bread, as we drink the cup. May your Holy Spirit be poured out on us as you draw us to you. In your name we pray, amen.